Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Jack. How are you doing today? Doing great. Good, good clear day, beautiful yeah. sunshine, a uh, little cool, but not as bad as it's been. It's starting to warm up, so... Happy anyway. Monday to you, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, it's I was watching over the holidays, and we here in Southern California were 10 to 15 and sometimes even 20 degrees cooler than you were in North Carolina over over the kind of Christmas to New Year's span. Yeah, uh, we've, we've had some weather, odd weather. Yeah. And, and it's not just, just now. It's just the yeah. whole year around, it seems. Yeah. Well, it's not like it was balmy. I mean, you guys were in your mid seventies, right? I mean, it was it was yeah, but it was really pleasant. Uh, here, yeah. we were in the fifties and getting rained on a lot, which I love the fifties and we need the rain. So I guess it was a good thing for us. But you know, I got to wear sweaters at Christmas time, which I don't often get to do here in Southern California, and I kind of like that. You know, I like yeah. s- sweater weather is nice every once in a while. That's what I like about our climate here. We we've got some cold, but it's not bad for very long you know right yeah so anyway it's uh good to hear your voice again you have likewise a good week? yeah not bad at all not bad at all um well i coach a swim team a club or a high school swim team and we were supposed to start workouts this past week and the pool that we use uh when they fired it up because it had been kind of mothballed for part of the winter uh the heater didn't kick on and they tried to jury rig a fix, and that didn't work. And so now they've got to wait for the part to come in. So we probably won't be able to swim for another week or two. Ah. So that's unfortunate. But other than that, you know, yep. you, I, it, it virtually happens every year because unlike most places, they don't keep their pool going year-round. They shut it down and then start it back up. And every time they start it up, something breaks. Uh, you, yeah. you know, you'd think they'd learn, but I think they look at it and go like, but, but we're not using it. So we should just shut it off and, and save money. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Are you really saving money? <laughs> yeah. You know, if you'd well, just you left know, it running. No matter what kind of equipment it is, it seems if you leave anything unused for very long, something's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. When you start it back up, suddenly, you know, a, a seal has gotten weak or something and, and or dried up a little bit. And if you'd have just left it going under pressure, it would have been fine. But that start and stop, you know, it's like um, uh, the old argument about do you turn your computer off when you're not using it or you turn it back on because the heat expansion would cause things on the motherboard to break and that yeah. would shorten the life of your computer. You know, yeah. so like server centers, computers would last a long, long time. People would go, well, but I'm saving electricity. I'm not using it. And it's like, well, okay. These <laughs> days, I think that's become more and more of a moot issue. But, but you know, yeah, there are other issues. So um, one of the things we wanted to talk about today was there was an anniversary yesterday. It was the 15th anniversary of the introduction of the very first iPhone when Steve Jobs said famously on stage, do you get it? Do you get it? These, yeah. It's a, you know, it's it's a, uh, a an internet communicator. It's a phone. It's an iPod. These are not three things. It's one device. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it's funny because you know at the time people knew that there were some things that it didn't quite do as well. But I think you know a lot of people looked at it and went, ah, I think that's where things are going. Um, and it it took off like wildfire and has just continued you know, along that path and basically I, took a company was, that the iPod kind of saved into, you know, iPhone, uh, uh, glory, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't know that a watch was all that important to a lot of people, although a majority of people probably wore watches, but there were a lot of people who didn't mm -hmm. prior to that. Uh, you know, if you want time, it's usually it's hanging on a wall somewhere or on a clock tower or whatever. It, you know, it's not right. usually, not usually urgent unless you're a person that has a lot of activities and things that are scheduled. That's the those are the right. people who had to have watches. So they, well, we're not talking about the watch. We're talking about the iPhone. I know, but oh, okay. The the, uh, the key. Uh, uh, oh. Yeah, I haven't shifted gears yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the phone, and and it's yeah. the funny thing is, is there there was a great line in 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 a recent movie where uh there um uh, it was uh, uh Jumanji back to the back to the jungle no the first Jumanji where uh, uh they run into a guy who's been stuck in the machine for twenty years in the game you know he hasn't gotten out and uh, and he, so he went in like in the nineties and mm -hmm. and. They make some reference of like, you know, oh, man, if I if I only had my phone, you know, I could we could call up the map or something like that. And and the guy and they make several references like that. At some point, the guy goes, why do you guys keep talking about your phone? What what, what what's changed? <laughs> you know, I don't get it because, you know, you think back at that time and phones were basically for phone calls and, and right. a very little bit of texting was done, but it was done on a keypad, you know, with, with the one through nine and you would triple tap buttons to get letters and it was incredibly cumbersome, you know. And then a little bit after that came the, the little uh, candy bar phones that had actual keypads on them so you could text better. But, you know, pri for the hundred years prior to that, phones were used for talking. You know? Yeah, yeah. But the, but the crackberries uh, or blackberries right. uh, just... Uh, uh, finally terminated their business just a week or so ago. Yeah. It's kind well, of interesting that yeah. it, it happened. Now, I don't recall how many years or months that that was uh, in existence before the iPhone, Right. but it, it was clearly uh, an, an iPhone-like device, the right. only big difference being the fact that the capacitance uh, uh, touch feature of uh, is really the tech the only technology that the iphone introduced at that time right yeah the other one had uh, uh a uh it, it instead of capacitance touch it, it required a a little bit more of a physical touch uh to push because it was a physical switch between two layers of the screen when you touched and uh and a lot of it wasn't even touch it was all done with they had a little track ball in the middle of the keyboard or at the top of the keyboard in the center and it was a physical keyboard and it's funny because the, you know, 15 years, I'm surprised it took them 15 years to do it. But they basically, they haven't been selling them for a while, but this is, they, they finally have ended support for them. They're no longer going to take care of those phones. They're not going to support them in any way. So it is, it is officially a completely dead platform. But it was sort of the dominant idea because at the same time, uh, while the BlackBerry was sort of the device that a lot of businesses latched onto because they had secure communication um, or at least, you know, they, they theoretically had their own secure loop communication. Um, the, uh, at the same time, the handspring folks, which came out of the, um, um, oh shoot, what was the name of the, uh, uh, uh little PDAs that we had? I'm blanking uh, on the name. They originally had graffiti, and they switched over to all having keyboards. And so that's the phone that I had was the um, uh, the the keyboard phone that was based off of uh, their device. And I can't remember the name of it. I'm completely blanking. Well, 
Yeah, you're talking. It had a screen, but it was a right. But you, you wrote it with a pencil or a script, uh, script kind of a thing. Is right. That what yeah, it was. Uh, it, yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking about. You you've still got yours, I think, right? I still have most of my old phones. I look back at them. Palm is what we're talking about. Palm computers. They they originally were Palm. And then they yeah. got bought out by 3Com, and then the original owners, after fulfilling their their requirement to stay with the new company for a year, broke out and recreated the the program or the the devices uh, called Handspring. And the device that I had, the phone I had, was a Trio branded phone, uh, so it was a Palm Trio. And yeah. you had one as well. I and did. They, we had like the 700 series, which was basically a. It looked a lot like a BlackBerry, except it was a little bit smaller, and I thought it had a better operating system. Um, it yeah. did not have the little um, uh, ball that rolled around in the middle as a pointer, the little trackball. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought that that was a, a great company. And I had bought apps for that. You could download apps for it just like you could with uh, iPhones. In fact, it's one of the things we were going to talk about is what the original, you know, since it was 15 years old uh, yesterday, uh, 15 things. There's an article uh, on um, uh, Mac, Mac Break, Rumors. Uh, Mac Rumors, that's right. That uh, that lists 15 things that the original iPhone didn't have, and there were there were quite a few things that didn't have. But one was the App Store, so the fact that I could download apps on my Palm uh, Trio phone and and run them was something that did not exist on the iPhone initially. They were suggesting that you use web-based apps, which you can still do, uh, and some people kind of do. In fact, some apps that are sold on the App Store today are essentially just custom browsers that point to one web st one web interface, you know? Right. Um, and so that's how they work, and so they're sort of hybrid apps. Um, uh, but you weren't in able to install third-party apps. That's why I never, I didn't have originally the original iPhone. I have since bought one just to kind of have. I think I got it for like 20 bucks, and it still works. Uh, but I, I've got it so that I, I literally can line up all my iPhones because I've got one of every body style, not one of every particular uh, style, but one of each of uh, whatever the baseline phone was for each generation of the yeah. phone. So, like, I have a 3G but not a 3GS, or it's the other way around. I don't remember. Uh, and uh, and the 4 and the 4S looked the same. I have one of those. Um, and then the, uh, the five, which, you know, the five was one of my favorites of all of them. Um, I loved that size. It just, it felt super light and it just felt really good in my hand. Um, and then, uh, the six was the first one that went to the rounded edges and had the big phone, you know, they had a six X max and I had, or the six max. And that's, that was the phone that I had. And then I got a seven of the same size. I really like the seven. It was the first one that did away with the button, and so it had the fake button that you could—you felt like you were touching a button, but it wasn't there. So when it was powered off, it, there, it, there was no click because <laughs> yeah. the, the click was faked. So, and then obviously the the ten was the first one. The eight was the next one up, and it was pretty much the seven, but it had a glass back on it. But it was you know it slightly upgraded stuff. But that year they also came out with the ten, so the eight and the ten were simultaneous, and there was no nine. And you have a ten. Yeah, I have a ten. Yeah, and I have an 11. I don't have one of the newest um, form factors, the 12s and 13s, which are both physically the same. Um, uh, I have, I'm have. i still on my 11 Pro. So so anyway, no App Store. That was, a, a, I think, a, uh, you know, they just didn't have the, the inner workings ready to go yet. Um, and so they pretended like it wasn't important by saying, oh, you can do web apps. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I was trying to remember... Uh, it says here, 
the original iPhone came with pre-installed apps, but it doesn't mention a browser. Yeah, there was one. I mean, that was one of the major things. that. It, yeah, but you're right. The Safari browser or mobile Safari. Yeah. Yeah. And their pitch was that this wasn't going to give you a a mobile experience. This was going to be like you get the entire Internet because that was one of the knocks with the, with the BlackBerry was that it basically, as a, as a browser, only worked on sites that had been set up to deal with Blackberries, and that was not the whole Internet. Right. Um, I will say that this could browse to any website. Didn't necessarily mean that you got a web page you could use at that point in time because, boy, you had to zoom in to find buttons to click and stuff on that tiny screen. Uh, yeah. You know, since then, almost every website has uh, created a, um, a phone-friendly version of their website and uh and made life a lot easier for all of us because let's face it worldwide the the phone is the number one internet browsing device anywhere ever <laughs> yeah so yeah. so yeah but they said they came with uh the phone app obviously weather that, notes calendar photos calculator and then but, as we said safari which they didn't mention Anyway, I, w- I was going to go back and say that uh, at the beginning, they worked only with re- regular phone company phone lines, uh, and it, it, well, in addition to the Internet. It only worked but, on AT&T. But, but I don't know that they had any secure capability like the Blackberries at all. No. Um, I, yeah, because they didn't even have the Messages app yet. Yeah. Their, their, their messaging app or whatever it was was just a texting app. It wasn't the, the, the messages that they have now that's secure and uses Internet instead of the sms so everything was sms yeah 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 well and like i said they you know when you originally bought it you had to either switch if you weren't on at&t you had to switch to at&t because that's the only place they could get it it wasn't until the four that they uh uh came out with a verizon version and that was halfway between the four and the 4s half six months after they introduced the four they came out with a version of the four that worked on on verizon which was a must-have for you because at that time you guys were uh, traveling around the country, retired, and right. if you didn't have Verizon, you didn't have phone service in a lot of places, and yep. uh, AT and T just wouldn't cut it. Yeah, I actually switched to AT and T because I got the 3GS, which was the second iPhone that came out. They went from the original iPhone to the 3G. I'm sorry, at the 3G, and then the 3GS, and I went from the the original iPhone. I didn't get, but I did get the 3G. Um, but ironically, um, you know, it was. Uh, you know, the phone was introduced in 2007. It was 2008 before they launched an app store. 2009 before you could even copy and paste something. I, I, I don't know that that's. I was thinking this list. They're really getting down to low level stuff to make a big deal out of it. But that's a big deal. You know, when you're like, if you're browsing the, how many times when you're browsing the internet, internet, do you like copy a URL and paste it somewhere? Or do you, you had to type all that junk in manually because you couldn't copy and paste. That was a big deal, yeah. and it was shocking okay. that it took them two years to get that done. You know, there were a lot of yeah. people clamoring about it when that was happening. Um, and then the front camera, uh, it, it, the original phone didn't have a front camera. It had, a, you know, it it didn't come out until the iPhone four. Pre- previous to that. The iPhone, uh, original iPhone, the 3G and the 3GS did not have front-facing cameras. Hard to imagine that we that you couldn't take a selfie with your phone, right? Well, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I, I I think I can count the number of selfies that I've taken on the fing- fingers I've got. You know. Mm-hmm. 
So it's I would tough. I would bet there's more than you think. Um but it's but but you're but I'm I'm not talking about just us. I'm just saying, you know, overall the way the phone is used socially. Yeah. Uh in fact, there are those that say everything we've talked to up to this point is sort of irrelevant because it was really the the development of the the camera on the phone that has made the phone more uh the the must-have device more than anything else. You know, yeah. uh yeah. for a lot of people it is. Um yeah. Blackberries didn't have cameras. Yeah, or at least not good ones. Uh, you know, phones prior to the iPhone, uh, when they started adding the cameras in, even the first, um, um, the, the the backside cameras, the the first one was a better phone than most phones that were on phones at that time. There were just for a long time the phones were incredibly low resolution, really really bad, um, and they were you know just not not that great. Uh, in 2009, they added video recording, so it wasn't just take a snapshot you could actually shoot some video and that was pretty amazing to me that you know something that small in your hand could shoot video i remember you know when i was uh, uh in high school and you came out to videotape and and they didn't even have um camcorders at the time initially your your rig was a a vcr basically with a strap slung over your shoulder and a cable running up to a camera uh <laughs> in order to get video shot you know and yeah. and that continued to shrink down to little handheld video cameras, but then to get it into a phone where you could shoot video in a phone was just stunning. You know? Yeah, yeah. In a short period of time, you know. Well, and and now we've essentially not only got video, but we've got the entire studio. You can go back and edit and. and, and but, over. but but you almost forgot. I forgot just exactly when it was, but it was sometime after the iPhone had been out. That the the little video cameras were big big sellers. Everybody had them. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's what you did your photos and sure. videos and everything on. Right when they started getting smaller, when they started getting more handheld, when they were still the ones that sat on your shoulder and then you held the, the a, a grip in your hand, you know yeah. that those yeah. the the Betamaxes and the and the VHS versions of that those were still kind of niche products. But when they got to the point where it was now something I could hold in my hand, you know, and they were um, you know, probably the you know, slightly larger than a softball initially, and then they eventually they continued to shrink down. And obviously now, you know, you've got a a 4K video camera and studio in your phone. Uh, yeah, that's an area that just there's been phenomenal growth. Ironically, remember they didn't have any LED flashlights or LEDs on the back. There was no lighting for your camera, yeah. and so uh, there was flashlight apps that would turn the screen solid white so you could then get enough light to kind of see with your phone and i remember that the flashlight apps were all over the place uh and then apple when they added the flash on the back gave you the ability to turn that on as a actual led light which was kind of cool photo messaging yeah oh that's the other thing originally messaging was just uh sms just text yep uh and then multimedia uh uh messages came in um that was with the iphone 3g so that was the second phone uh that came along an iphone s 3.0 uh and the 3gs uh and they were able to do i guess two i an iphone 3 they they added multimedia messaging and it was and it worked on the 3gs and the iphone 3 from the previous year the 3g but it did not work on the original iphone so so it was added in the third year, and it worked for phones from the second and the third year. I, so. I was just sitting here thinking about how hard it is to force your brain 
to go back in time yeah. when, when you didn't have things. Mm -hmm. it, it is tough. Yeah. I mean, because your experience is that, yeah, they've always been here, right? Yeah, you know? once you, especially if you start using it a lot, right? right. Things like GPS. <laughs> they didn't have GPSs because GPS chip, chips sucked too much energy and it would drain the battery. And even when they did add GPS, it was like a really limited GPS. They would only turn it on once in a while, you know, and you couldn't like you couldn't get turn by turn directions off your phone. You you could tell where you were at and you could put a map in, but it wouldn't give you, you know, step along the way because they didn't want to keep turning on the GPS chip inside yeah. the device because it would drain all your energy. You know, you know, more than anything, what this list really says is uh, to to summarize how far we've come in 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. It's it's and, well, and these are things that people tend to use a lot, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's but it's it's you know, it, it shows that that the technology continues to improve and get better and better over time to the point where, uh, you know, the functionality of these devices is, um, you know, what we kind of expect in a phone today. Not very long ago, would have been just unthinkable that we couldn't have done that, right? They they've yeah. continued to to push i mean like the next one up is home excuse me home screen wallpapers well ios 4 is where they let you customize that um i don't you know okay fine people customize their wallpapers but that to me is a kind of uh if if they'd have never let me customize my wallpaper i don't think i would have cared that much um the fact that they added verizon support though in 2011 now mind you this is 2011 the phone's been out since 2007 they finally added Verizon support, and that was the first time you switched over to an iPhone is once yep. they had Verizon support. Um, so it took them a long time. And uh, I remember when the when the Siri app was launched, and it was launched by the company that owned Siri. They invented it, and then Apple bought them. And and it was the in the in the iPhone 4S was the first time that Siri was there. Um, yep. And it was pretty cool, even even initially the things the things that it did. I mean, it didn't take long for everybody else to come out with voice assistants that you know eventually surpassed Siri's capabilities. But in a lot of ways, I think Siri does certain things better than some of the others. You know, we, we there, there's always a knock in the media about how Siri's not as good as as Google Voice or as uh, good as uh, um, you know Alexa is on the uh, on the uh, Amazon Echo devices. Uh, but I think that like like they they have it very well tuned for finding music and playing the specific music that you want. Yep. And yep. it's very good for home automation. The only thing with the home automation and this is just a home kit thing is that they there there tends to be a a delay in when you ask it to do something and when it actually does it. it there's like this processing or communications delay. I know that a lot of that is uh, the home automation technology. So as we get more and more things that are tied to thread and to uh, matter, which are the two new standards for home automation connectivity, that the um, uh, oh shoot, what's it called when there's a delay in something? I can't remember the the technical term for it, but that has been reduced significantly using those um, uh, those communication protocols, and so. Uh, that should make things more real time when you're trying to comp uh, control your smart home. Yeah. Lightning connector. We've we th we've been using it for so long we we forget that that 30 pin dock connector had been around with iPods <laughs> for t you know 10 years or more mm -hmm. and and was 
I remember when Lightning came out, a lot of people were like, but I've got all my cables for my, my 30-pin dock connector. I don't want that stupid Lightning connector. No, it says this came out in 2012, so right. that's five years. Yeah, iPhone 5. Well, that's five years for the phone, but that's not five years for the connector. The connector was on iPods way before the phone. Oh, oh, oh. People had that connector all over the place. iPods were so ubiquitous at the time that if you checked into a hotel, very often they had a charging stand for your iPod with the 30-pin connector, you know. And for years I still saw 30-pin connectors attached to, like, clock radios that were sitting in hotel rooms. Um, uh, They're they're getting more rare now, but, uh, you know, a 30-pin connector. Yep. Uh, and that was <laughs> that huge. Was a big, and, 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 you know, you, you only appreciate it when you look at the thing side by side and you say, what a kludge is that? You I know, know? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you, you, com- comparatively speaking, it's you could probably line up four, maybe five uh, um, lightning connectors across the width of one 30-pin dock connector. You know, yeah. that that was a big, big connector. By um, the way, do you know how many pins are on the uh, lightning connector? Um, I think it's eight. So, uh, so, so instead of 30, we went down to eight. Right. So, so well, a lot of that had to do with some, the parallel data transfer versus serial. Right. Well, it also has to do with the, the actual connector on the, uh, in the head of the connector, as small as it is, there's a controller in there and each pin does not necessarily do the same thing every time you plug it in. They, they, um, uh, the the pins change based on need. So if you need power versus data versus, it's it's sort of a programmable um, inner or a chip or a connector, which which is the other thing that's interesting yeah. about it. So, and that one's grown too. People don't realize it, but initially it was uh, I think USB two speeds, and now there are versions of it that are USB three speeds with more power to support fast charging. And so the the lightning connector itself, without really changing its look or form factor, has changed over time. Uh, and I think that was part of, part of the spec built into it, you know. And yeah. and now that the rest of the world has gone to USB C, the question is how much longer are they going to keep that, right? Because already on their pro devices, they're using USB C for iPads. Uh, you know, do they go to USB C on phones? I think a lot of people think that before they do that, they'll just go to no connector at all. And you'll uh, you'll just do uh, you know the quote wireless charging. Um, well, you still have to have power somehow. And, wireless charging. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, I, I charge my phone wirelessly most of the time. Um, you know, uh, my I've got an 11 Pro and I set it on a on a uh, charger, a Qi charger. But well, um, well, I I don't because uh, it takes longer. And uh, it's too easy to make a mistake I, yeah. I, until they've got the magnetically centered right. things. So there's no mistakes allowed, you know. And well, all you get you get a um, a 12 or a 13, an iPhone 12 or 13, and you get that. They've got the oh. magnetic chargers built into those. Oh, okay. So they snap into place. But the, um, uh, I, you know, I, I don't have, I, I had when I initially got my uh, iPhone 11 a Qi charger that you could lay it down on flat. And I had that problem. Sometimes it was on there right, sometimes it wasn't. It doesn't take much, and it won't then charge if it's out of place a little bit. I now have, uh, I still have that one, but I don't use it very much. I have two, one in my bedroom and one here in my office, uh, chargers that sit vertically like a little stand, 
and the the thing leans up against a back that's almost the exact same size and shape as my phone. And so I know when I put it on there, if I just squeeze it to center it on that, that it then immediately is in the right spot and starts charging. Yeah. And, and so that works perfectly for me as a wireless charger. I just set it on that little. Yeah, stand. I, I didn't see I didn't see that any, as any harder to use, and maybe not as hard to use as the damn wireless charger. You know, the the current the old uh, round slab. You know. Whatever you call it. What are you talking about? The wireless charging for the phones. Right. Uh, without the magnetic alignment. I, uh. I'm comparing that with the wired charging with the stand that you just plug it in. You just immediately set it down and it goes right oh, on it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, if, if I plugged it into my stand that had the little um, uh, lightning connector on the bottom of it and it charged that way versus charging wirelessly, it really wouldn't be any different for me except that it would charge a little bit more quickly if i needed it i do say that i plug my phone in uh during the day if i need a quick boost um you know if, if i'm running low on battery power um yeah. which doesn't happen often but sometimes i'm doing a lot of stuff on it and i just notice it's a little low so i you know i'll plug it in uh so but i use the chi most of the time that's my my standard go-to for the phone ironically i have the um airpods pro that can charge on the chi charger as well and I almost never use the wireless for that. I almost always plug it in. And I could, you know, I could set it there on the charger very easily. I just don't. Don't think about it. You know, you get into habits. Yeah. You get into habits. So so the iPhone 4 was the first iPhone that had the retina display, uh, which had four times as many pixels as the original iPhone. And it was the highest resolution display of every any smartphone ever at that time. And that's sort of become the standard, too. Now we expect them to have, you know, what yep. you know, retina is a, an ill-defined thing, right? It was sort of like w w when they described it, they said, "What it is is that it is at the standard distance that this device is used, you cannot see pixels. An average person cannot see pixels, right?" And so they've got retina displays on their pro laptops now. They've got retina displays on their uh, on their iPads um, and the watch. Uh, and I guess they've got a retina display on their uh, on the new uh, um, iMac as well. So, you know, retina displays are out there. Um, but then they've got, like, I don't know what they call the next ones, the, the beyond the retina displays, like the new, that, that pro display that costs $5,000 or $6,000. Um, you know, there's, there's XDR, right? That, yeah, that's something what like that. They called it the, the, the pro display XDR is what they call their, their uh is it 27 inch or 30 inch display the professional one that's five thousand bucks with a thousand dollar stand uh, <laughs> the redunculous yeah. one um that uh has that so i mean it's 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 kind of a it's a kind of a meaningless it's a marketing term the retina display but it's it's certainly the the higher resolution display um you know is it's nice i appreciate it i mean i'm sitting here in front of a 4k display that i think looks beautiful but I, um, you know, my laptop, I have a 2015 13-inch MacBook Pro uh, that I still use uh, on and off when I need a, a, a portable computer. And it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's got a good quality screen in it. But I switch to my, if I switch over to my wife's or daughter's when I help them with something, uh, uh, um, MacBook Airs that were pre-retina display. They have like mm -hmm. a 2012 and a 2013. I, they're, yeah. they're fine for me. They, I, you know, and I've got reasonably good eyesight. I, I just, it doesn't bother me. Some people, you know, go like, oh, I could never go back to a non-retina display. And I'm like, eh, you know, I like it, but. 
Yeah. Well, some of the, you know, what it really amounts to is good enough is not is is when you don't want not willing to pay more mm-hmm. for anything else, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's and, a gimme, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, everything so, Apple sells is Retina Display now, but you know, for a while the 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 MacBook Air wasn't, and so you said, well, it's a thousand dollar computer compared to a you know fifteen to to two thousand dollar fifteen hundred to two thousand dollar computer. That's significant difference. Yep. You know, for what for a while was dubious improvement. So. Yeah. You kind of skipped over Touch ID and Face ID. Oh, I did. You're right. I'm sorry. I missed that completely. You know, I scrolled up to 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 see what was beyond Siri, and I rolled it off my screen. That was a big deal. That's to me of all of the things that are on there. Yeah. It's right at the top. Yeah. The the reason is, is that it just hasn't been used yet, yet to its ultimate effectiveness. And maybe we can move uh, off of this onto another topic. And that is, uh, how do you ever fix the internet? Uh, You have to, you have to identify people so that they uh, won't do stupid things because they can be identified now uh, instead of being anonymous. Well, before before we go off that completely, I mean, I, let's talk. We got we got like three more things that we were going to talk about in the first phone. Let's finish that, and then we'll okay. go ahead and talk about it because I I think that's going to be a, a worthwhile conversation. Um, but yeah, the Touch ID uh, obviously was huge. That came out in the iPhone 5s. It was something that a few other phone makers had gotten wind of, and they got theirs out to market first. But theirs were crappy. I mean, literally, people could take pictures and, and put things up there of them. And same thing with Face ID. The first, the first ones that weren't Apple's were just really poorly done, uh, and were not secure at all. Apple, when they yeah. came out with Touch ID and Face ID, were just you know far superior. Now everybody else has got really good quality Touch ID and Face ID type of things now. Uh, and I thought the move to Face ID, I thought was a little dubious at first, but having used it, you you, you really miss it when it's not there. Uh, yeah. uh, in fact, it's funny because I, um, uh, a while back sold you my, uh, my, uh, iPad pro cause I had the 12.9 inch, I think third generation it was. Um, and, uh, I just decided it was too big and you had had a first generation and, and, and wanted the little bit smaller form factor and the better quality screen and faster CPU and stuff. So I sold it to you and then I went to go get a, a an 11 inch. And after looking at what they did and didn't do and what they had and how I was going to use it, I decided to get the 10.9-inch iPad Air uh, rather than the 11-inch iPad Pro. And the only thing that makes me frustrated occasionally about that is that the Air doesn't have Face ID. It has Touch ID on the the button, on the power button. So it's not a round button on the bottom. It's the power switch. But it's yeah. like, you know, I look at it, and then I go, oh, yeah. And then I have to go touch the button, you know? And it's not a big deal. But it's just, it's it's the one thing, you know, because my phone is Face ID. Once you get used to Face ID, you're going like, why do I have to go touch something? <laughs> you know? Well. Uh, and uh, then COVID hit, and everybody has to wear masks, and Face ID became a pain. Let, let me uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, identification in general. Uh uh, having worked as a physical security guy before uh, in a in a 
nuclear weapons sense of security, which means really no yeah. for sure. Absolute security. You're talking to, <laughs> yeah. Then, then uh, uh, I will say this: uh, the the more bio uh, phenomena that you can measure about a person, the more the uh, more secure the system right. is. Right. Yeah. Both like, would both is better uh, than either, right? Yes. Both both is better than either. Always is the case. Right. But you can rank the the individual cases as which one is better. Is for example, uh, is touch ID your fingerprint basically? Yeah. Uh, or your face image most most secure? Right. Well. Well, Apple very clearly based... has said that the face ID is more secure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people didn't think of that because uh, throughout the security world, what did they always do when they captured a uh, criminal or something? They always got their touch because they could get fingerprints off of the uh, various right. uh, objects they would and match. Fingerprints, and, 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 but there's always a mugshot, too. Yeah. You know? So, so then, then each technique has, has a necessary, in order, depending on the application, has right. a necessary counter, counterpart, and that is is that particular characteristic uh, something that can be left at the crime scene. That was the case I was starting to talk about was the touch uh, was one of those sure. because the oils of your skin left something behind. Yeah. But face ID would be useless for the kinds of things that they... Sure, sure. Back well, and today they, they run DNA tests, right? So they find a little uh, piece of a skin cell or a hair, right. and, and now they can tie that back to an yeah. individual. What people anyway, don't think about, by the way, though, is that there are people who have essentially some uh, almost identical fingerprints. They're rare, but they're out there. Statistically, they're th statistically, they're, 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 they're close enough that that, that, it's, that that it's difficult to identify one versus another. You can certainly call it into question. Yeah. And the same thing with DNA. There can be DNA that's very close, especially if they're relatives. So, um, you know, they're never identical unless they're literally an identical twin. But yeah, uh, but. You know, there are people out there who have really, yeah. really similar DNA. So it's, you know, it's it's it, like you said, it, it's a combination of things in order to get the surety. You know, there was a rumor that there was going to be an iPhone that had both uh, the touch ID and face ID. And that way, when you're wearing your mask, you could use the touch ID and you could say just use one. Or if you really wanted it to be secure, you could say use both. And that way, then they knew it was you because you had to pass two tests, both of them with many, many points of of. Uh, of reference yeah yep now now i want to talk about overlooked technology uh siri uh is a voice recognition technology right. and it's a lot more secure than a lot of people give it credit for yeah. i mean it's not as good by itself as one or the other of these two we've been talking about mm -hmm. but especially uh it becomes secure and maybe very secure uh if the Siri has to recognize a password. Right. Okay. Yeah. You, or, or passphrase, right? If you have you know, a, a known phrase. Yes. So that adds a lot of security, uh, you know, because even though somebody might be listening to you, they won't remember what you said the longer the phrase is. Right. Right. Uh, so you could even use it out in the public and, and, and use it as a very good password. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, and and then it's also measuring things like your cadence and your timbre and things like that of your voice that that are also difficult to duplicate. So even if yeah. you even if you know the passphrase, you 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 won't be able to unlock the device. 
Yeah. And now, then now, and then if you stack that with touch ID and or face ID, right? Yeah. Now it it does have some downsides. Uh, there's there's uh, voice imitators who can do a very credible job, mm-hmm. and there's uh, changes to your voice that maybe if you have a real bad cold, you won't even pass your own test. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you something that I've noticed. Um, I recently, uh, I've have on and off over the years, but for quite a while now, I have had some facial hair and I chose to shave it off a few days ago. And it is, uh, my, my face ID has been hit and miss, which is weird. I didn't think that should bother it, but it has. I'm going to have to go in and retrain my face ID because it has been, I've been having some issues with it where it doesn't, doesn't want to recognize me. <laughs> Yeah. And well, that's and the it, only thing I can think of is that, hey, you know, I, uh, you well, know. Well, anyway, I, I think that the audio uh, technology is one that is totally underutilized. Yeah, it's built in. Talk, it's there. They could do it. Yeah. And, and, and we can talk about some, some of that later as, as yeah. you said, we're going to be talking about the Internet and stuff. Yeah. Well, we kind of went off on a tangent on the wireless charging earlier, too. That was one of the things they didn't introduce until uh, iPhone 8, 8 Plus, and 10. So 2017 was the first year they even had wireless charging. So that was pretty late to the game. And then the last thing on the list before we switch over to the other topic was uh, water resistance, which um, I don't know about you, but I've replaced a few children's phones in my time uh, that fell into a toilet or a swimming pool, being a swimming coach. I've got to say, knock on, you know, no real wood around here. Uh, I'm trying to find wood here in my <laughs> office. I guess there we go. I found some wood. Um, that uh, as a coach, I've never dropped a phone in a pool, so I've never had a phone go in. But I now have the water-resistant phones, so it wouldn't really matter. But uh, I'll never forget one time at night in the in the in the winter, I was putting on uh, um, pool covers, and I was standing across from another coach. We we're on this big reel, and he and I are pulling them off. And dropping them into the water as kids in the water pull the covers across the pool for us. And he and I are talking. And we, we grab it and pull it out over the water kind of and then let go of it and then go back and grab it. You know, so we're pulling from left to right or right to left, depending on which way you're facing. And he and I are talking to each other. And he pulls it across and then just starts going with it as he falls in the water. And as he falls in the water, he goes, I forgot to let go. <laughs> <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. And he went right in the pool. <laughs> he just, you know, and he came out and his car keys were soaked and his car, his remote wouldn't work. He obviously had to use the mechanical key. He could still do that. But, uh, uh, you know, and his phone was, was dry. Luckily, he jumped back out fairly quick. And he said he put both the remote and the phone in a bag of rice for three days. Uh, and they both came back to life. But I just, I'll never forget the look on his face. And that comment was just so funny as he, I forgot to let go as he fell into the pool. <laughs> oh, yeah. that was hilarious. Better him than me. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Driving home soggy wet would not be fun. So um, so we, we had some other things, but you wanted to kind of skip ahead and talk about some of the issues with um, uh, identification of people online and helping to solve some of the nastiness of social media by not letting people be uh, so... Um, unknown you know there seems to be a lot of like you know if if you know my name and who i am um i'm less likely to say something if if i'm just you know uh, uh nasty user 17843 then i can flame and say horrible things about people online and just make it a really toxic place which is one of the problems with current social media right 
even even if people get banned off of social media, um, it ta- it costs you nothing and takes n- and no effort to just go create another account and it doesn't have to be named you, you know, and you can go right back to doing what you were doing. Yep. Well, uh, democracy doesn't work without participation of citizens, and that's the biggest argument for uh, having social choices, social media choices. Okay, but democracy worked without social media for 200 plus years. I don't know that we need social media at all, but that's my opinion. I understand that there are others who are very social media oriented. I am not a fan of social media, period, end right there. (laughs) That's me. That, that's true, and it's and and the the real fault with social media has everything to do with identification, in my view. Uh huh. You know. Yeah, I think that's a large portion of it. That the the ability to do things um, uh, as a you know incognito bold, yeah. emboldens the 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 human personality in general. Uh, right. To you know, and I'm not speak, not picking on anybody. I'm just saying. Everybody in general, if you if you believe that you are anonymous, you're much more likely to say inflammatory things and do things. And it brings out some ugliness in people, Um, you know, and that's that's, um, you know, that's there's no, you know, fact based findings here. That's just my observation. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, the uh, uh, whenever you get any new apps and stuff coming out on social media, uh, I would like to see uh, somebody incorporate some simple kind of uh, identification process uh, so that uh, we can then start to understand uh, how that impacts the success of the site. Because I think uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's a, lot of, a lot of sites you want to just stay away from because you're getting all this garbage right. that you're just useless yeah you know well, i would say the second you know we're, we're talking about the social impact i think that there's a very um below the radar social impact of them uh them being the owners of social media sites uh tracking you and building profiles of you so specific that they then uh basically keep pumping you with things that you will find interesting to make you come back to their site which means that you don't get two sides of the story ever that everything is always filtered to make you want to click and do more, whether it be, uh, you know, not to enrage you, but to get you more pumped up about a specific topic. And so you never get two sides of the story. You always get the side that you already believe in, and they just reinforce that to death. And so it it creates very siloed opinions in people. And I think that that is a huge problem with social media. It's the wild, wild west versus civilization. And the question is, is do we really want to go back to the wild, wild west? Because what do you mean go back to? <laughs> well, I, I think we're there. You're right. That, that's where we are. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah I, did, did, I misspoke there. Yeah. But, but I think we need to work our way back to civilization. And the answers to it are becoming mm-hmm. very self-evident. And I'd like to see more and more sites because that's mm-hmm. where, where it's going to have to be enforced. Right. The, they they always say they want to give you freedom to, to say what you want, which is important to do. But yeah. at the same time, uh, if if you're going to do that, then I'm going to say you've got to uh, 
take responsibility for what you say. Right. And we're going to do that by having you be known or identifiable. Yeah. You know? And I think that say that that solves part of the problem. It will it will cre- create a little bit more civility. There are some people who are still going to go and say outlandish things and attach their name to it. Uh, insert the name of pretty much every news commentator everywhere, um, and you know, and and that gets noticed and gets hits and gets you famous, and that's what they want to do. And and a lot of social media people. You know your social media stars, your your you know Twitter stars, and and, and th- that's the kind of thing they do is that they you know they mm-hmm. they want to do that, and that's fine. And those people you know, so yeah. you know, but forcing everybody to be uh, correctly identified will cut down on a lot of the the uh, uh, discourse that that has gone ugly. But it doesn't solve the problem of the uh, social media sites sending you links and texts to make you want to come back to their site that are sticky. And they and, and instead of doing things that are, um, you know, trying to do things that provide people with a, here's the counterpoint to what to this article, you know, they never do that. They just give you more and more articles that, that reinforce whatever your thoughts are. And so you never even hear the other side of the story very often if you spend too much time on social media, which gets people worked up and then they say, you know, sometimes ridiculous things. And so... You know, you can identify them correctly, but that doesn't solve the fact that they're, that they're you know, they're not. You, you have to work really hard. You have to avoid social media and go out on your own and search for information to get two sides of a story nowadays. Um, and so the convenience of the Internet is being taken advantage of, and we are the ones paying the price for that. Right, right. I, I think ultimately we'll have a uh, – we, we need to work uh, – toward a whole spectrum of different kinds of things that people want. And when you sign up with it, you can make a selection that I want to be on where you want to be on the civilized spectrum. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's part of it. I mean, the, the sad thing is, is that, you know, you could build a site that always, every time it showed you something would, would categorize things and say, you know, here's, here's, you know, an opinion, here's an alternate opinion. So you always would have two things presented to you, and you can pick which one you want to read, but at least they're there, and you see that there are alternate opinions, right? Right. Um, the problem is, is that that's probably a lot less sticky to a lot of people because people get emotionally tied into going in and getting things reinforced and getting worked up. And I think that that is, you know, they're playing on, a, on an aspect of human nature and taking advantage of it in a kind of ugly way. It reminds me a lot of, of uh, you know, B.F. Skinner, you know, t- teaching rats to tap on the bar to get their sugar cubes. I mean, it's right. We're basically being treated like lab rats by these companies, and and most people are you know blissfully unaware of it. But it 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 really silos people's opinions, and then it, then when you step back and look at society, you go, well, oh my gosh, these people are in this silo, and these people are in that silo, and they won't even talk to each other. They can't even agree on what they just saw because <laughs> because you know they've. They've both been reinforced to the to the point where, uh, you know, they, they they don't even believe the other side is is valid at all. So they won't even talk. And it's 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 uh, scary, bad, <laughs> scary, yeah. bad, you know. Well, and, and the other thing is, is that we all have different thicknesses to our skins, too. There's some people you could call them the worst thing you can possibly think of. And it just runs right off the, you know, they don't even notice yeah. it. Acknowledge I don't it. care what you think because you're not valid, right? You're a despicable. 
Right. <laughs> and, and and there are other people where you can say something that you have no idea is insulting, but they're going to take it in that way because they're pre preconditioned for it. Right. You know. Yeah. So uh, we're we're, we're uh, all over the spectrum, and and that's why this word social uh, really has a lot of nuances to it. You know that that we have to uh, deal with. Yeah. I have a T-shirt I was wearing yesterday, and it says, just because you disagree with me doesn't mean, or no, just because I upset you doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> well, some people would think that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are people people who could argue that point. But, you know, just because I upset you doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. But I, I'm willing to, you know, there, there are people, I, I, I stand by that. I like the shirt. Um, but I'm also willing to hear, hear them out because they might be right. You know, I don't know that I'm right on everything. You know, the problem is, is I'm really good at debating it. So people think that I, 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 I've said in my, my decision or my, my, my stand on things. And it's like, no, I'm just really good at making my point. If you could make your point well, then maybe we could, (laughs) then maybe I'd change my mind, but you don't seem to be able to communicate with me very well. So, yeah. uh, (laughs) By the, by the way, last night on 60 minutes, uh, there was a segment that, uh, I, it was the middle segment. They had three things going on Uh and I wish I had taken notes so that I could remember the guy's name. Uh But, but basically he has been doing a lot of interviews of non non famous people that have been collected in the national archives. Uh, and they, they have a lot of social scientists that have gone through and picked mm-hmm. out some of them. And they showed a few examples, uh, uh, on the uh, show. Uh, and it, it's a really interesting study of sociology. Uh, and the re- but the real reason I think they had him on is because he's recently now started a different project. And I, darn it. I just, I was going to tell you the name, and of course it slips right out of my mind when I'm going to do that. Uh, but it was a kind of a catchy name. Uh, but it has to do with putting two people uh, at a table that have basically a conflicting political opinions or whatever, you know, experiences in mm-hmm. life, just as, as diverse as you can imagine, and then getting getting them to uh, conduct conversation and recording it all. Okay. Yeah. And because you're face to face with somebody, for the first thing that happens is that you, 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 being civil people, you don't really want to fly into somebody's face, and you don't know anything about them to begin with. You know, you start these discussions, but pretty soon both sides realizes that the other person maybe doesn't agree with me here or there, because some, you know, uh, sense of just the reactions, and. Uh, but by the time they spend more than a, an hour or two together, uh, they actually uh, both modify their views. Uh-huh. You know, and this has been recurring over and over and over. And so it's considered a really great thing that's going on. And, uh, and uh, so now he's got some sponsorship, and this is extended to, I, I think they're even going to uh, make some kind of a... Uh, uh, television or movie or something as a result of it. I, I don't recall what, but uh, if you have 60 minutes from last night, 
yeah. available to I'll, you. It, it should be online. If you go to the Paramount Plus app, um, I think you have to be a subscriber to get it, but it's like 4 bucks a month or 5 bucks a month to get it. You can watch all 54 seasons of 60 Minutes as well as the most recent ones. They launched. It's available the day after. So uh, episode 17 of season 54, holy moly, um, uh, <laughs> was released on 1-9-2022. The t- episode title was 5417, a shift in people's attitudes towards expectations from their jobs. Story Corp founder Dave Isey, 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 I don't know how to pronounce it. And, uh-huh. and then something else, and they didn't, uh, I didn't see what that was. There was another that kind of cut off the... It's weird. They get a partial description, and then it goes dot, 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 and then it – oh, here we go. Um, Isaiah, and kickers in professional football, including Justin Tucker. That was – Oh, the, no, that's, that was the last episode. That was January last, 9th. That was yesterday. I know, but it was the last one that was shown. And, oh, you're talking about the one from the day before that or the, the, the week before that? No, no, no. Last night's show had three stories. Right. The middle story – is story Story Corp founder Dave Isay. Uh, that's 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 the one. Right. That's okay. True. Yeah. The first one was people's attitudes shifting towards expectations from their jobs. Story Corp founder Dave. Oh, how, I how did they pronounce okay. his name? Is it uh, Isay? Isay? I don't know. Uh, and then football kickers. <laughs> yeah. Those are the three the, stories. Yeah. Yeah. The, by the way, the kickers was a whole lot more interesting. I was originally going to tune out there, but that was a fascinating story. Yeah. Because. Basically, one third of all points scored in the NFL are uh, made by kickers. Yeah, and, the highest score in the history of the NFL is a kicker. And and there and other players' attitude towards kickers is, oh, we can always go get another kicker. Yeah, They're, it's really bad. Yeah, I mean, they interviewed some of the great kickers of all time, uh, and and they were all treated badly. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, Justin Tucker is is arguably the best kicker in the history of the game. I mean, he. Oh, has, they made big point of that. Yeah. Yeah. He he's he's had the you know the longest made kick, and he's one of the most accurate. It, it's just it, interesting guy too. His coach loved him, and the reason for, was it because of his kicking. It was. I mean, it was of course a bigger part of it, but his personality is such a great guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that that's one of those things where it's um, it's like the goalies in, in in games like soccer and water polo. I played water polo, and they're underappreciated. You don't you don't recognize that that person you know that that if you if you get a person who's solid at that, then you can that you will solve a lot of your team problems, right? You know, having a yeah. good kicker. It was like when the um, back in the day when the um, uh, Raiders drafted Ray Guy in the first round, and he's the, right. you know, as a punter, and they went, "Who who on earth?" is stupid enough to draft a punter. And and the response was from uh, Al Davis. It's like, well, for the next 10 years, every time we have to punt, we gain 10 yards over everybody else because he kicks it higher and further than everybody else by an average of 10 yards. He's that much better. And he yeah. says, you know, he's going to play for at least 10 years. Uh, and, you know, and so every <laughs> time we turn over the ball, we gain 10 yards over the other guys. He goes, I see that as a win. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Well, anyway, from what you read there as a sort of a summary, mm-hmm. uh, I, I didn't recognize the first one uh, when you first said it, uh, because basically it's it was all about people quitting their jobs. Yeah, which has been a problem. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like if I can't work from home or work remotely because I want to now live in Hawaii instead of in Wisconsin, 
then fine, I'll just quit my job. You find somebody who wants to work in Wisconsin, and I'll find a, a, a remote job that I can work from here. And it's happening all over the place. But, but by the way, that was a major benefit of the pandemic for lots and lots of people, realizing, yeah. realizing that uh, there, there were other things that they could do and do better. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, there's a whole bunch of people who just said, you know what? Fine, I'll quit. Yeah. You know? Anyway, I, I, I really enjoyed the show last night yeah. because they had three really important topics and yeah. uh, good, good presentations. Yeah. So. I think that that I'm going to quit because you don't get, you know, you, you, you want me to come in somewhere and I don't want to do that anymore. Or you want me to live somewhere and I don't want to live there anymore thing is we're going to see repercussions of that in the next uh, 10 to 15 years in a big way. Oh, you, yeah. You know, um, and and that's going to be, you know, a, a major change that I think uh, COVID, you know, uh, well, the big the lit big on is- fire. They speeded it up. I think it was happening anyway. But COVID made it just like obvious to people that that's better way for them to work. Oh, the, the biggest thing that come out of the pandemic is the, the value of the Internet. Yeah. You know, because you can work remotely and do all these things and still maintain contacts with the world, mm-hmm. you know, and do it personally, you know. Uh, so it was just manifestly a big ad for Internet apps that, that help people do jobs. Yeah. Yeah, and it's getting easier and easier for people to uh, to do a lot of work from home. Yep. Um, you know, now that doesn't mean that there are certain jobs. You know, you you, you can't uh, you know work in the canning factory from home. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but there's you know a whole bunch of brain worker type jobs that I mean, why on earth are companies paying this huge amount of money for uh, space? You know, I mean, Apple's having well, that problem. You know, we've talked about that before. App, you know, Apple has said, oh, we want everybody to come back to the office starting on this date. And, and there was sort of a workers revolt and they've sort of backed off of that. And now they're saying, well, we want you to come in X number of days. And, you know, and they're having, you know, they have this big, beautiful spaceship campus that they built amongst other many buildings that they have. And there's a bunch of employees saying, but what I do, I could do that from home, you know. You know and, and that's one, just one of numerous, really numerous pandemic benefits. People don't you use that word and people mm-hmm. all look at the negative side of things. Yeah. Well, one one uh, tremendous improvement is for people who are environmentalists and wanted to do away with uh, uh, with uh, fossil fuels. Yeah. Uh, the car usage has gone jumped down just so quickly and stayed down that. They want to, I mean, and that's part of this working because the cost of gas has gone way up and stayed up. (laughs) That's right. Well, uh, people aren't driving cars. The demand has gone down. Yeah. You know, so the the gas company said, screw that. We'll just raise the prices because we're going to our profits can't go down. That's right. That's right. Uh, Yeah. 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 But you're right. It's there's a whole bunch of people who've done it. And, you know, I mean, I know some myself who have said. You know, if if I have I know some that have, who, who where the where the company has told them, you know, you have to uh, to work here, you have to get a, you have to be vaccinated. And they're going like, but I don't want to get vaccinated, you know, for whatever reason, it's not something I want to do. So yep. I guess I'm going to quit and just I'll work at home or I'll, I'll you know, change careers. I'm not, I'm not, you know, and that's just that seems to be happening much more readily than it used to. You know, but we've yeah. seen we've seen that direction over a long period of time. You know, there was a time when people got a job with a company and they stayed there their whole life. You know, yep. a lot of people in your generation did that. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Uh, very few people in my generation have done that, and almost nobody in subsequent generations is. Well, doing we that. didn't have the tools then to do anything from home. Yeah, but I'm just saying that even even not not just from home, it was the idea that you didn't have a a you weren't beholding to the company for your job. You 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 kind of went well, you know, I'll just switch companies, you know, and yeah. that that oh, yeah. attitude has changed significantly in the last uh, you know fifty years. It was yeah. it was at one point in time, you got a job with a company and you just stuck with them. And, you know, uh, people well, my age, it's hard to find somebody who, you know, who does that unless you happen to work in the public sector. You tend to tend to stay with that. But but a lot of people my age and almost nobody in my children's generation feels like they're going to stay with a company. You know, they'll they'll jump ship as, as soon as they think they've got a better deal somewhere else and they don't feel any you know, remorse about that or even think twice about it. It's just like, that's the obvious thing to do. Yep. You know, which then leads to the, you know, now my company is trying to force me to do things I don't want to do. Forget them. I'll just go, I'll go to a different company. I don't, or I'll work on my own. You know, there's a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. And and vice versa. I mean, I, I've told my, my boss uh, with a company says, uh, I'm, I'm getting a better offer. You're going to, you know, if you care to have me around, I've got, I've, I told him how much more money I needed for a wage, yeah. and I got it. I yeah, got it, you know? yeah, exactly. And, and that's always an option. You can just say, "Hey, you know, I, I'm being recruited, and here's what they're offering." Yeah. And and you know, they may say, "Well, good luck to you. Been nice working with you." Uh, yep. And and that's not always a valuation of your value to the company. Sometimes it's just that's where the company is financially. They can't afford to go yep. places that other companies can, you know. And so yep. you know, so it's just. Um, you know, it's 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 an interesting world, and the workplace is changing, and and it has continued to change pretty significantly over the last fifty years or so. Um, so we'll see. You know, I mean, I would say this is much of a sea change as it was as the com- country kind of went from rural to to uh, to uh, you know um, urban type of work, factory type of work, as people moved from the farms into the cities. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they move kind of to the suburbs and and now you know we're we're moving you know th- largely that was for work and now the work is diversifying again and yeah. so uh you know interesting cycle and and big cycle too right mega cycle so, yeah i mean long term so um so we talked about some of the issues with public uh or with with uh social media and uh, there's a new social media platform that has been announced. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, digital, was it Trump Digital Media something? Uh, Trump Media and Technology Group, I guess is what it's called. TMTG. Uh, has announced that they will create the freest social media platform for users across the United States and around the world. That worries me a little bit because freest also implies that none of the type of things that we just talked about that would make social media better are going to be in place. <laughs> <laughs> you know well, well uh i think you can still consider things free if they're secure i think you can too but i'm suspecting that that's not going to be the case here well uh i i, I really don't think so well uh, and by but, secure but, i don't mean secure i just mean i don't think they're going to do anything to like do verified accounts to verify that you are who who you say you are and oh. and that you can't hide behind the shield of anonymity on the internet. I don't, they're not going to do that. No, 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 no. 
Uh, well, it's got to be simple to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they'll gradually en enhance it. But basically, I think what they're saying is that if you, uh, if you want their services, you don't need to worry about uh, uh, your uh, system going away because somebody's going to throw you off, the, off there. Right, yeah. That's basically what it was, is they threw me off where I was having fun in the, in the sandbox, so I'm going to build my own sandbox and we won't throw anybody out. Which also just means that if there's, you know, people, nasty people, flaming people, oh, well, they're well, just going to be there because <laughs> we're not going to kick them out. But just like uh, there are requirements for rules to keep things orderly, uh, they will, whether they think they are yet or not, yeah. they, they will be having some type of enforcement. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's not throwing you off, but it'd be. Yeah. Some, or we'll some. throw you off, but we'll throw you off for different reasons. We'll throw you off for our reasons, right? And so, yeah. therefore, it's going to be better because we'll have the people that, that like us and think like us. And, and, and that's, you know, in my mind, that's no different than Twitter and Facebook and, you know, all the other places because that's kind of what they're doing. It's just so, well, so unfortunately, that means that as a society, we become more and more siloed. Yes, more and more and more silos, exactly. Yeah, not only do we not look at the same news on, on the same site, we won't even be on the, on the same site anymore. You know? That's right. <laughs> yeah, talk about an inability or a, a major breakdown of uh, communication between people with differing opinions. And that's, I think that's the, to me, that's the biggest issue with all social media at this point is that it creates an inability to have communication with people of differing opinions. Uh, yeah, yeah, because we're not sitting there looking at their face and their expressions. Right. Well, and in fact, you don't even often within, like, say, in Facebook, I'll never, you know, it, 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 I say I, I, I don't I don't use Facebook at all. Um, I don't don't do social media, really. Um, uh, but it, you know, it, it say user A, we'll just say I. Uh, never will even see user B or any of user B's news or new user B's opinions because they will keep feeding me whatever I keep clicking on. And the things I click on are the things that I like, and then they send me stories that reinforce the things that I like because they found that that's super sticky. That'll get me coming back to their site. And the thing that they want to do, they being Facebook and Twitter, they want more than anything else is me to be on their site more and more. They want me there. And yeah, so but, they're, they're never going to send me something that has a differing opinion because I might go, oh, that's garbage, and, and then log off. They want me to go, oh, yeah, see, I was right about that. That okay. guy is a, is a communist, you know? Okay, well, <laughs> in this article that, that, uh, regarding the Trump site, they did make some statement that we're not going to use algorithms, meaning how, uh, you know, how to limit somebody. Okay. Uh huh. That was the context. Right, but but okay. that doesn't mean yeah. that they they won't uh, refuse to allow feeds from uh, news media that they disagree with. You know, I bet that they'll have a lot of feeds from Fox, but they probably won't have very many feeds from uh, MSNBC. Uh, I don't know that they'll have feeds from any of those networks. Oh, you don't think they're going to do any kind of news news in there at all? No, It'll no, just no. be social. It, it, it's it's going to be mostly people, uh, and they're not going to swamp you with all this ads and all these other things. Uh -huh. That was that was another goal. 
Uh, and another, but I'd need to go back to one. Then of how them. are they going to make? How are they going to make just, money? Just, just, just a minute. Yeah. Uh, uh, you said they would not have the security like I was talking about earlier. In fact, they will have. I don't know how it's going to be implemented uh-huh. because they. I didn't said say that, they will not. I just said I don't think they will. I don't know because well, it's no, not they, a thing they, yet. They, they've already said that for prominent people, they will be identified and. Oh, uh, sort of certified. That's somehow. literally nothing new. That they they do that they do that on Twitter and Facebook already. You get a, a verified account on those places, and that way, if you're you know, it's not me saying I'm I'm Donald J. Trump or I'm you know uh, President Biden. It's it's a verified account, and that's already a thing. And they don't do it for everybody. They only do it for prominent people. So yeah. you know, if you if if there's a Wikipedia page on you, then we'll verify you. Otherwise, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but anyway, uh, how those are treated, uh, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, what's the difference in the account, you know, in terms yeah. of. Yeah. Well, um, you know, usually it just means that they have a tag on it saying that they're verified. I mean, we'll see if they handle it differently than the other guys. I mean, they all do slightly different things. But it just it just identifies that this is the person that they say they are. So that way you're not being misled by somebody pretending to be. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there are several um, like uh, prominent news people and, and Hollywood people whose account is the real insert their name. Uh, yeah. And then they get that verified, you know, as opposed to just their name, because very often somebody logged on and got their name as an account before they did. And so and so they go and get verified. So, and I, there's been rumors that Facebook was going to try, or maybe it was Twitter, was going to try to verify everybody at some time. But apparently they've uh, backed off of that because it's just too big of a of a job to try to. Well, you, you see, that's the thing is that I don't believe they know they they know that. I I don't think it's a big deal at all to positively identify people. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying they, the, you know, I don't know what methodologies they are using because things like your. Um, your face ID and your uh, your uh, touch ID on iPhones. I'm not sure Apple's willing to share a whole lot there. Um, right. You know, although any app can say that they you you know like any banking app or any app you build on the on the on the iOS platform can do that. Um, you know, but if you have Android, I don't know how that's handled. They don't you know, and then Windows and Macs, and there's still you know thousands of Macs out there that don't have touch ID on them. I mean, some do, but. There's lots yeah. of them that don't. They say thousands, millions. Um, so, you know, I mean, you can't rely on the biometrics all the time because there's a lot of people whose devices don't have biometrics. Well, that's that's true, but they can, but it, but you you could if you wanted to limit it to the certain set of devices that does have what you need. Right. If people want to participate, then they'll have to get that. You, know? you absolutely could. But then, you know, then there'd be people, you know, accusations of, oh, well, you're only allowing it with, you know, Apple devices. So you're, you're basically saying you don't want any poor people on there because they, they can only buy the cheap Android devices, you know, or you know, it's, it, there, there'll be all kinds of knocks against that. And, you know, clearly, I mean, that's not the case. There's lots of yeah. you know, uh, iPhones that are available you know, cheaply now too. So, uh, I mean, yeah. heck, I got an iPhone one for 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have touch ID on it though. That didn't come till iPhone five S as we learned earlier. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, lots of stuff going on there. Hey, I saw something on one of the CES notes that I thought was interesting. Uh, Stateki has coming out with a, uh, uh, a a charging block that is 165 watts and it's USB-C with four ports on it. I've not seen. I don't know about you, but you know most of the USB-C chargers have one. Some have two. Uh, I've seen one with three. This is the first one I've seen with four, and they use the gallium nitrite uh, nitride technology which means that they're much smaller. And it's one of those things that I haven't seen Apple do very much yet is use the gallium nitride. Uh, and I'm not sure the reasoning behind that, but now you can get them from uh, lots of different places. Uh, uh, Sateki and Anchor both make uh, the GAN chargers. And you can get a much more powerful charger and a much smaller power brick, which is nice. Um, and if you have an iPhone 7 and you use the uh, uh, USB-C charger, you can get much faster charging. If you use the iPhone uh, 7 and the and the, the newer little charging disc that plugs into USB-C, you will also use that to charge up all of the newer Apple laptops, the iPads Pro and iPad Air. Um, and you can get more current. I don't think you gain anything necessarily by using USB-C to lightning. Um but if you've got multiple devices, you can just switch over to having USB-C uh, cables for everything if you want. Of course, then you got to buy a bunch of new cables, so it's debatable if you want to do that. But um, but I think there's some advantage to that. You know, it makes uh, a lot of things charge up better because you can carry a lot more current through a USB-C connector than you can a, yeah. a USB-A connector. Yeah, this this one is all C's, right? Yeah, it's four uh, USB-C charging ports. So and it means, means if you have thing with different devices with different connectors, then you got to have a different charger for every one of them. Right. Which is kind of, yeah. it, it ought to be more flexible than that. Yeah. You know, I was reading something the other day, too. We really need to change our, tech, our, our terminology on that because the power brick that you get to charge something isn't the charger, even though that's what we call it. Because the charger is actually built into the device, and that's what determines how much current it takes from the power brick. Right. So, so like I plug in my phone to a 165 watt power brick, I don't charge my phone with 165 watts; it'd blow up. The charger right. inside the phone says, "Okay, I can take a max of insert however much energy it needs," and it takes that amount. Um, right. And what's nice about these newer power bricks is that they provide uh, basically the either the full amount or any subset of the amount to each of the four ports. Because I know there's power bricks out there if you're not careful when you're buying them. If you look at them, it'll say, this one is 7 watts, this one is 18 watts, this one is 30 watts. And you have to plug it into the right one in order to get the power. So if you plugged in your your you know your uh, laptop to the 7 watts, yeah. it, it, it'll take four weeks to charge. But if you plugged it into the, the, you know, the 30 or 60 watts or whatever, it'd go a lot faster. Um, yeah. You know, so this one takes that hundred and uh what did i say it was 165 yeah 165 watts and can spread it evenly or unevenly across all of those ports so that you can get the the, the power you need to charge your devices in any in any port which is nice I, and and i think when you're looking for a a um a multiple well, port charger that's an important feature that you really need to look at yeah uh I didn't quite understand that from the reading, uh, the way you said it. It says you can get up to 60 watts for the main device. For yeah. the, the main device. 100 watts. 
Huh? You can get up to 100 watts for a, the, a, a out of one port. Maximum nah. available charging is 100 watts in one port. It's a 165 watt device. Oh, maximum charging available is 100 watts. Okay. Right. But if you're charging the maximum number of four devices at one time, then the maximum is 60 watts. So, well, that's how they're showing it. Um, yeah, yeah, if, if, in that place, is 60 watts. The, the, I think the uh, largest charger, if you have a 16-inch Apple, at least from Apple, the largest uh, device is the 16-inch MacBook Pro, and I think it runs at like 85 watts maximum. Um, but if you have a, the 14-inch the MacBook Pro, which is next in line. I think 60 watts is as big as the is, is the device charger, the, the the power brick that comes with it. So, literally, you could plug in that and your iPad and your phone and your watch and charge them all at maximum power if you wanted to. The yeah. only one that it wouldn't necessarily do that with would be the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah. So. But yeah, you're okay. right. I mean, they they like I can't plug in anything and get 165 watts in one place. Okay, but, time my, time is running out. That uh, by the 16th, the price you you if you, oh, yeah. if you like this, you can get a 20 percent discount until the 13th. Right, till the 13th of the month. Yeah, that's this Thursday. Uh, the yeah at the Sateki website, you, the code is CES20, and that'll give you 20 percent off. It's 120 dollars regularly. So. 20% yeah. off will give you a $24 discount, so you'll get it under 100 bucks. Basically get your, your shipping and uh, tax back probably. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's you know, if you're interested in something like that, that's that's probably not a bad a bad deal. And it's one of the first ones that, that works this way that has this many ports. So if you've got four devices and you want to travel, it's probably a great way for you. To, it's a great power brick to take traveling, right? Because you could – well. You yeah, can... anybody anybody who has to be out and traveling around away from their office or home or whatever where yeah. you can do these things, it, yeah. chargers make sense. Yeah. But but I'm a retired guy and it makes no sense to me. Yeah. But I, so I try to put myself in somebody's shoes, but yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I have a bunch of these kinds of things with uh multiple ports like four to six ports on them, but they're USB A ports. And oh. I've got like in my office right here, I've got them and I've got like uh a USB-C connector, uh, two uh, lightning connectors, a phone connector—I mean, a watch connector—and a uh, USB, um, a micro USB, because I still have some devices that charge up that way on it. And so I can plug in any of those devices right here when I want to. Um, and then I have a similar setup uh, uh, near my bed, except that I also have a Qi charger there for my phone, and uh, and then I also have a another one that's similar that I basically keep in a backpack for uh, when I'm coaching if something needs charge or uh, or if I travel, I take it with me. And that way when I'm traveling, that's my travel kit. Yeah. You know, and that way I can just charge pretty much anything, um, whether it be mine or, you know, one of the kids on my swim meet needs to charge up his phone while he's swimming so that he can call his parents when he's done or whatever. Um, I just have it, you know. Um, and... Uh, I've got a battery that sort of does the same thing. It's got multiple connectors on it as well. But by the way, comments are often useful to read with articles like this. Yeah. Because there's a guy who has done some research and he says, uh, you know, to save you a click, he says that four port all charger has this output when all four ports are used. There's a 60 watt, 40 watt and 30 to 30 watt. 
Right. And and then below that, he has the listing of what it's, it how says many that watts. it says that right in the article. Yeah. It's a 60 watt, 45 watt, and 230 watts. Oh. Um, and what's interesting too is they list them in that order, but they don't have to be in that order. You can plug them in in any order you want. That's just how they the maximum draw that will be allowed from individual ports. Yeah. Yeah, but but the but the guy's point after saying that was that then he tells you if you have a MacBook Pro 16 and iPro so forth, then you need this much for each of those devices. Right. So he he's kind of trying to look at a, a possibly a typical setup somebody that has all Mac devices might have. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's basically what we just talked about, right? It's it's if you right. have the 16 inch MacBook Pro, then it's probably not quite enough. To ch- you can't really charge all four of them at full capabilities at once, but you could if you have a 13 inch or the 14 inch. I'm sorry, right. well, or the 13 inch for that matter. But the the that that big one just has a bigger draw. Uh, but you could certainly use it as a charger if you didn't have other stuff plugged in. So. You know, it just means you don't have to carry a bunch of a bunch of power bricks, one for every device. If you've got four devices, you don't need to lug around four power bricks along with each device. And yeah. so, you know, that's why I've used that kind of device set up in the past. It's just I haven't had a, uh, a USB-C version of it. And up until now, the most you could, most ports you could get on a USB-C version that I've seen was three. I saw one that had three USB-Cs and one USB-A, um, which would be fine for you know, most stuff too, but I mean, you know, why not be consistent and just go all the way across the board? Anyway, the other thing about this guy's comment is he's talking about another charger, which is called U-Green. I don't know. Another company, they make some good chargers too. They're pretty well known. Yeah. So he, he's just trying to make people aware of an alternative. Yeah. Was it also a four-part one? Uh, Sounds like it. Okay, I didn't realize that they had one as well. I, I every once in a while I look at these because it's something I have an interest in. I haven't bought one yet, but but having a a, a minimum of four ports on a USB C charger because I and and I want to try the gallium uh, nitride too because those are um, much smaller devices for the power brick. Um, but uh, like I said, I've got a six port uh, uh, old style power brick sitting here with USB A's and and it's bigger and bulkier. But it works just fine for me here in the office, and so until that stops working, I don't. I'm not compelled to. But maybe for the one that I use for traveling, getting a smaller, lighter one that has more juice on it might be better. I don't know. I don't know. It's not something I'm willing to spend a hundred dollars on right now. <laughs> yeah. So um, your iPhone may be sending message read receipts even though you turn them off. So you know th- most people have that turned off, I believe, and it's one of those kind of things that's off. I think it's off by default. But, you know, it's like when somebody sends me a text, I might glance at it, but then not respond to it right away. Right. Yeah. But if I look at it, then that person gets a notification that that message has been read and then I don't respond. They think somehow I'm putting them off. Right. But I might been busy doing something, but I glance down to see what it was and I'm going to respond later. So I don't know. To me, it just seems like. Uh, for I mean, I guess for certain communication, you want verification that the other person got it, and that makes a lot of sense. But for the most part, I like that turned off, and it, it's kind of irritating that they seem to be having uh, some issues with that, where uh, you know the person who sent the text will see that it's uh, been delivered or then it's been read, and uh, you know it's well, inf- information that can lead to some miscommunications or misunderstandings. I think if if it's not you know well. well I- 
I, I kind of like it because, uh, so, you know, not for everything. It, it seems to me that uh, you should be able to specify it when you send it to somebody if you want to be sure that they got it. You yeah. Know? Well, here's a quote from somebody commenting saying, people who have read receipts turned off make me suspicious and uncomfortable. What are you hiding? <laughs> and the guy yeah. says, nothing. I just don't always can't reply right away. Turn yeah. it off so you don't get butt hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I and that, that's always been my kind of thing is like, yeah, it's just I, I sometimes, uh, you know, somebody else's comment to that same thing was my freedom to choose. Um, you know, I it's you know, it's it's not always just f- friends who, who are texting. It's, you know, uh, people from work and other things. I don't want them to think I'm blowing them off. But, you know, if I'm in the middle of doing something, it's especially with a watch, it's easy to glance down and see what the text is. Uh, and then say, okay, I'll get back to that in a few minutes. That's one of the things I like about texting is that it's not, um, uh, you know, if if we had to have a, a conversation in real time, then then place a phone call. You know, the text is meant to be send it out there, put it into the universe, and I'll respond when I get a chance. Yeah, yeah. I think the combination of phone calls and texts will ultimately replace email. It has in a lot of ways. It has in a lot of ways. Although I will notice that the one thing sometimes is, especially in the world of business, because I still am involved with, you know, uh, working with people professionally with emails, is that emails tend to be more professional and texts tend to be much more casual in just the way you say things. That's right. Just and, the way you... and there are businesses who are uncomfortable with that. They would prefer you to be more formal. And so that's why email will, at least for business, will continue. But, I mean, I don't send a whole lot of email. In fact, I send very few emails um, that are not work-related. Most of yeah. it is, you know, like if I'm chit-chatting with you, I, I very seldom shoot you an email unless I have to send some multiple attachments. And we can attach things in messages, but uh, that just seems to work a little bit better. But, it, you know, if I'm sending uh, attachments, then sometimes I'll do email. But but for the most part... Emails, emails problem, though, is because it's a multinodal transmission. It can get hung up somewhere along the way and take a long right. time. Yeah, it's it's even more time delayed than text is, you know. Oh, a lot. Yeah, definitely. A lot. You know? Although I, I will say I have sent text and received texts, you know, that show up 24 hours after they were sent. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always show up right away. Uh, iMessage is pretty good when you're doing it with somebody with an iPhone. But if you're sending to somebody with an Android phone and it has to go through the SMS system over the phone company's oh, yeah. transmissions, yeah. sometimes it'll take up to 24 hours. And if you look at the spec, that's actually built into the spec. It's, it's uh. you know, 24 hours is sort of the, the, the what you know, it'll, it, it's guaranteed delivery within 24 hours. That doesn't mean that, it you know, usually it's there in seconds. Sometimes it takes a long time. You know, you know, you know I... I've been curious about that because, you know, the green text signals that it's an SMS mm-hmm. versus the blue, which is the uh, yeah, Apple I, mail, I message, right? Right. I, I message, right. And uh, I believe that a number of times I have sent stuff to uh, somebody's phone that I know it's an iPhone and I don't and it's, it comes out green. I've said, what's going on? Right. Um, that, you know, it. it if somebody had a, like, say, if I had an Android phone and then I switched to an iPhone, everybody with iPhones in their iPhone believes they're sending to my Android phone still. And I have to explicitly, as the sender, 
go into their um, uh, create a contact if you don't already have one or go into their contact and instead of saying mobile identify it as an iPhone and then it will ver it will test and verify that it's an iPhone and then it'll start sending to them blue yeah yeah I, I was aware you could choose one or the other right and but it's weird that that yeah there are people out there you know that are to your phone have been identified as Android users. And yeah. even if they switch to an iPhone, you have to, you have to like, it, it generally will pick that up. It'll identify, you know, the first time you try to send to them, it'll, it'll like ping the iMessage to see if they're, they can accept an iMessage. Yeah. Um, but if it can't, then it'll switch. Uh, but sometimes that hangs up. It used to be, it would always hang up, but, but you can force it to say, this is an iPhone if you want to. Um, yeah, you know, but if you say it's an iPhone and they still have an Android, they go the other way. Um, it may go off into the ether, especially if, say, they have a, a Mac or a um, an iPad. So it'll yeah. go to their other two devices, but won't show up on their phone. Uh. So I read an article the other day that I thought was interesting that now 85 percent of teenagers in the United States have iPhones. And largely, it's because of peer pressure. When they're at school and they're communicating with friends, the green yep. bubble, the green bubbles get loft, left out of a bunch of of uh, group messages and stuff, because the SMS doesn't handle that very well, or at least iMessage doesn't handle com including an SMS in a group very well. And uh, and so I, I've got a niece who asked specifically. Her family's an Android family. She specifically asked for an iPhone because she was getting left out of messages from her team. You know, oh, she, was, yeah. she was on a water polo team and she she wanted she was like everybody else is getting the messages about like hey we're we're meeting after the game to go do this she says, I, I don't even know I'm getting cut out of it I'm, yeah. a, I'm a social pariah because I have the wrong kind of phone yeah and, that's, that's terrible and so she uh, she just you know she they were ready to get her a new phone at like her junior year or senior year and she says I, I want an iPhone <laughs> like but we don't use iPhones I don't care I want an iPhone you know, so they went and got her an iPhone SE, and uh, the only comment she had about it at the time was the screen was smaller because that SE is the the one that still has yeah. a, bu a button on it, so it's the size of an iPhone uh, original iPhone eight or yeah, actually six, seven, or eight. And there there keep continually be rumors that they're going to discontinue that. Yeah, well, there's there's uh, I've also heard rumors that the next iPhone SE is basically going to be the iPhone eleven, so it's going to yeah. look like a regular iPhone eleven, which is my phone. Um, which will give her back the big screen if she upgrades, uh, yeah. you know, cause she was just used to it, to the, to the, the full screen version of the Android devices. I think she had a Samsung previously. And so to go to a phone that had a button again with a fingerprint sensor, that was sort of a step back, but it was a step up in terms of operating system and in processing power and camera quality. So, yeah. you know, and certainly in ability to communicate with your teammates, which was the major problem for her. So, Oh yeah, so, uh, you know. Yeah, that's important to kids. Yeah, yeah. No, but I thought it was interesting. Eighty-five percent in that demographic, which means that you know, as they become adults, they're going to be much more likely to continue using iPhones. So oh, yeah. that bodes well for Apple continuing to sell major, major numbers of iPhones into the future. Yep. So, because there's not that many people who try the other side of the world, right? If you're an iPhone person, you're an iPhone person. If you're an Android person, you're an Android person. It's very few people who bounce back and forth uh, yeah. or, or change often. I did a full month with the uh, uh, Google Pixel. I didn't get rid of my iPhone, but I bought a Google Pixel, 
and uh, and it and it came. I had a deal where I got it with Google earbuds, and I had a uh, a, a Watch OS watch that I switched to. And for a full month, this is about a year and a half ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I did a full month with the Google device. And I got to say, everything that I got uh, that I do on my iPhone. Uh, I was able to do on the Google phone. There were two things that I found that bothered me. One was the watch just didn't work as well. Their watch sucked compared to the Apple Watch, and I really like the Apple Watch, and I didn't realize how much I would miss it. Uh, oh, three things: uh, the keyboard. The as much as I gripe about the um, the autocorrect on the iPhone keyboard, I could type much faster. It recognized when, uh, like the area I intended to tap to get a a letter much better even if I was slightly off than the Google phone. And so I was constantly mistyping on the Google phone. At the end of the month, that was getting much better. And so I was, I, it was training me to be more accurate in my typing. Um, and so it's just different, different you know, choices and constraints when they de- develop the software to run the keyboard on that device versus the iPhone. Um, but then the last thing was um, you know, I, I bowl in a bowling league, and I use an app called PinPal to track my games and it I, I mark down which pins I hit and which pins I leave each frame and, and how you know and then I look at that statistically and it tells me the areas that I really need to focus on and how to get better um, and that app does not exist uh, or at least it didn't at the time uh, on Android and so um, that was kind of a pain but other than that I was able to find either the same app that I used on the iPhone in the Google Play Store or a, a, a an equivalent that worked just fine Mm-hmm. So I found, you know, I, I looked at it and said, oh, I can see why people would want this, you know, that li- would like this. And, and hardware-wise, they've got some things that are more innovative and do things different and, and, and interesting that Apple, that Apple has not done. So, you know, they're, they're, I could very easily live in an Android world if I needed to. Um, um, but yeah, again, if you wanted uh, Google to know everything about you. Well, yeah, that's it. At the end of the month, I switched back <laughs> because it was like, and I picked the Google Pixel phone, by the way, too, because it was a pure v- version of Android. It didn't have the, all the overlays and stuff that are, all, that are loaded on by Samsung and other vendors. Um, yeah. And so that was intentional. But it, and it was the, it was the Pixel 4, uh, Pixel 4a that I had. And it was a great little phone. Um, and when I was done, I ended up selling it to somebody who was looking to upgrade. They had said they were interested in it. And so before I bought it, I said, well, how about I buy this and use it for a month and I sell it to you at a 10% discount. And that way I'm not out all the money and I can sit and do a review of it. I did that on the radio show that I was on. And yeah. uh, and it was an interesting month. It was. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, if, 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 if Apple disappeared tomorrow and I had to use Android devices, I'd be okay. Ironically, the thing I would miss the most would probably be the fact that I don't think their their uh, Wear OS watch was all that great. But, um, uh, you know, that has changed, too. They've upgraded and put a little more effort into that. We'll see. But uh, I think there's a reason that the iPhone is the number one watch in the world. It is just significantly better than the, the competition right now. So. Yep. Well... Uh, I've been for too long one of those unthinking people. I says if it's not if it doesn't have the Apple brand there, I'm not even going to look at it. <laughs> yeah, well, and once you've sort of bought into that, the, you know, the 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 overall ecosystem, and that's the other thing that I didn't really yeah. talk about was the ecosystem of how everything works together. My iPhone or my you know my watch unlocks my my Mac when I sit down, so I don't have to type in a password. Uh, 
Uh, and although it didn't do it at the time, it does now, you know, if I'm wearing a, a mask, uh, it'll unlock my phone for me because I have my watch on and I've already, you know, unlocked my watch. So it then says, okay, well, then we know who you are. You unlocked the watch and showed, showed, you, showed you new enough to unlock that device. So therefore we trust you and we'll use the watch to then turn around and unlock your, your phone when you're wearing yep. masks, which has been really, really handy. And, and there's just a thousand little things like that that Apple has done really well that, you know, that make things work better together. Um, and Absolutely. So, you know. That, that's, that's by far mm -hmm. the strength of Apple. Yeah. For, for a num from a number of viewpoints, I mean, even from a financial investment viewpoint. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the key. Yeah. You know, I think back on, um, I worked with Max for a lot of years. I did technical support at newspapers and at uh, marketing companies and other places. And I've always been around Max. They had Max for creative work, and I've had a Mac in my office for many years. But the first time I went and bought a Mac for myself, for my home, was uh, my family had a bunch of um, uh, iPods. You know, they had like an iPod mini or an iPod nano my daughters had, and I had an iPod. And, uh, and got it, my wife even got an iPod so we could listen to music that way and carry our music with us. And I started looking at how iTunes worked on Windows and thought it was pretty kind of kludgy and didn't work well. And I thought it would work much better on a Mac. And I didn't have a modern Mac that was running um, uh, I, uh, Mac OS X at the time. And so I bought a Mac Mini because I had plenty of, you know, keyboards and screen monitors and stuff around so i bought a mac mini and set it up on our dining room table and said okay here's where i'm going to sync music and stuff and uh and found that itunes indeed worked much much better on the mac than it did on the windows and what i found is over the course of the next three or four months that became the computer that everybody in the house used now we had a pretty high powered pc that everybody could go use in our like family room Mm -hmm. everybody quit using that and started using the Mac. And I went, light bulb went off. And whenever they used the other one, invariably I would get called, Dad, how do I? And then they would, you know, I'd come up and spend time showing them how to do something. Everybody. And it seemed to happen all the time. Never happened with the Mac. They'd just sit down and start clicking and things worked the way they wanted it to. They figured it out on their own, uh, you know, and I never had to do anything with it. It was just like, huh. And that's really when I started getting more sold on the Mac. Was the first, This was still when they had Power PCs. They weren't even an Intel Mac at the time. It was just a Mac Mini with a Power PC running Mac OS X. I think it was like mm -hmm. Tiger or Leopard or something. It was one of the early ones. And, and that's what really kind of sold me into it. And, uh, and from there, it's just kind of branched out across the family in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, yeah, sometimes you pay a little bit of a premium for that. But the flip side of not having to tinker with it all the time and you know well, it was just worth it five times over for me you know uh what i keep going back to is back in 2008 when i finally bought a mac uh i remember what what i just absolutely hated about the pc is that i was an intermittent user i was retired then and every time every time that i got onto it it wanted me to download them uh security oh fix. right yeah the updates or even worse you're in the middle of doing something and it says whoop we're gonna uh start downloading something and reboot your machine for you thank you goodbye click and everything rebooted yeah. well, and you're like and, <laughs> and, and too often i was in rv parks where the where the uh wi-fi wasn't trustworthy enough to download or upgrade anything because you never knew whether you were even going to get it finished you know yeah yeah so 
you know, it was an impossible situation. Yep. And so I just said, well, I, I, the PC is useless. Absolutely useless. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty nuts. Yeah, I think the the first Mac Mini I got was Eve it was it was in two thousand and five. It was just after they came out. I don't know if it was the first one or it was the late two thousand and five model off the top of my head. I still got it around here somewhere in a box. I'll have to see. But yeah, it was the PowerPC G four processor. And uh and yeah, and that was the other thing that I noticed about. Like I said, I didn't have to tinker with it all the time. It didn't like shut down in the middle of using it for, for updates. Uh um you know, and, and my whole family migrated to that immediately as hey, this this works better for me. And so, you know, kids doing homework and stuff, every everybody was going to the Mac Mini. And it was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Guess that that uh means I need to learn something here, huh? Yep. It uh yeah. it didn't take long once once I made that switch to that and, and then then after that it, you know, the integration started happening and yeah. uh it made pretty good strides. Yeah. Well, like I said, for me, it was we could, um, and this is before iTunes had a service, you know, so the music that was on, on the d- device was my own music, and I ripped all of the CDs that I owned and put them into our library, and then my kids could sync and, and get whatever, and, and I took, you know, any CDs they had gotten, we put that into our into our iTunes library, and then they could make playlists and sync that and sync up their, um, their uh, iPods to it. And so that was a, a major thing for them. But once they started doing that, then they just said, well, you know, this is easier for me to, to, uh, you know, go launch a word processor and write my homework or do whatever, you know, it just became the, the machine that everybody wanted to use. And so, yeah. um, you know, we just sort of like said, okay, well, guess I won't be buying PCs anymore because this works better. And, and I, as the family tech person, didn't have to basically stop whatever I was doing and go help with tech problems repeatedly <laughs> which yeah. again big deal for the person who's the family tech person you know <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah because i was looking at it because in in early 2006 the mini went to uh to the first uh core core chip the uh, intel core chips and then a core duo chips and so it was just the first two versions the original mac mini and the mac mini late 2005 uh, and the other one was January 2005. Uh, and they both went away in February of 2006, so they didn't sell it for very long uh, because that's when they introduced the first Intel one. But I had one of those very early ones. I'm pretty sure it was the very first model, the January 2005. And, uh, you know, and I thought, hey. Well, anyway, we're getting close, this is close to closing time, but I want to mention yeah. the one thing that happened to me this morning is that I discovered that there is an Apple weather app yeah. that I uh, had in my computer, of course, like everything well, that's on your phone. how I got down. But I didn't even recognize it until I searched for weather. And lo and behold, up pops this strange thing. I didn't say anything on it, but it was the weather app that has incorporated in it many features of my main weather app up till today, which is Dark Sky. Because Apple bought uh-huh. them. And, yeah, uh, well, I had Dark Sky for a while. I think I'm the one who told you about that. I love the fact that, like, when I was coaching on the pool deck, it would, like, buzz at me and say, it's going to start raining in 10 minutes. And sure enough, within 10 minutes, it would start raining. It was just stunning at, yeah, now, at now that, that micro right. forecasts. 
that's the best feature. Now, I'm going to use, before I throw away Dark Sky, I'm going to use the Apple one to see if it does the same stuff. Well, because they bought Dark Sky, it's it's pretty much in, ingrained in the weather app now. In fact, they even put the little, um, same little, like, uh, rain chart. You know, you can see this little bar and see, like, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And it'll tell you, like, it's going to start raining light here or heavy here. Um, and that's built into the weather app now. It only shows up when that kind of weather is what's coming. Um, so, you know, they've integrated a lot of what Dark Sky does, but they've kept Dark Sky around, I think, just because there's so many people who really like that interface. Uh, and so you have that option on both of them. One of the nice things that they do, too, is that Dark Sky at the bottom has always had a picture of a globe, so you can see a weather map. And in the weather app now, in the bottom left-hand corner, instead of a globe, it looks like a folded map. And, and it's just a little icon. But if you tap on that, you get a um, like the radar map overlaid on top of wherever you're at. Uh, uh-huh. So you can see, um, you know, it, it, you, you can see multiple different layers there. So you can see temperature, precipitation, or air quality, depending on which thing is most important to you. And as somebody who coaches youth sports, I'm in, I'm interested in all of those things, right? So yeah. uh, so it's nice to be able to see that stuff. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting discovery. Yeah, uh, the built-in weather app from Apple is actually pretty good, and uh, and it's gotten much better since they bought Dark Sky. It's right there, free, built in. Well, they're all free. <laughs> well, they're not all free. Some of them force well, you to have ads on the page because that's how they make their money. But Apple just says, here's the data. Yeah. Well, as long as the ads aren't, aren't intrusive, you know, I don't even notice them. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things, too, where if it's an app that I use a lot, uh, I'm more than willing to pay for a pro version so they get some money and I don't have to have the ad on the screen. Yeah. You know, if it's an app that I just, you know, on a rare occasion will peek at then it's like fine i'll just deal with the ads but if it's something i use a lot i have no problem paying uh i'm happy to to pay developers a fair amount for it now if they're requesting you know 50 bucks for something that i use maybe once a month i'm going like well probably not worth it to me or a reoccurring fee that's really high i won't do that but you know I, i i want developers of apps that i use regularly you know i mentioned earlier that pin pal app that i use uh to track my bowling it's like yeah. I I want that guy to keep that app out there and keep it going and update it for new versions of operating system and and add new features and so yeah you know I pay for the app I absolutely do yep. uh, you know happy to have it <laughs> speaking of paying for features the fine folks at Tesla you know they have their full self driving which I think quite frankly that mode that should be illegal for them to call that because that's not what it is uh, but their their autopilot mode um, they raise the price again. I guess yep. originally it was eight thousand bucks, and then they moved it to ten thousand. Now it's twelve thousand. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. On January seventeenth. So if you if you're got a Tesla and you want that, cough up your ten grand now, or it's going to cost you twelve grand later. Uh, and, and and I can't imagine that somebody would want that app and trust it enough to really uh, keep to to save their life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or risk their life and, and, and pay that kind of money. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. So I look at, I saw this headline, uh, the title raised self price driving rate price to $12,000. And I said, you gotta be kidding. Yeah. I got a feature. The- they also sell it for one ninety nine a month subscription. Yeah. You know, 
I would yeah. say, of course, you can't do it now because the rate's going up. But I was going to say, you know, prior to that, you might have just said, well, let's do a one ninety nine a month subscription. Try it for a month. See what you think. And then decide if you really want to buy that, you know. I'm, uh, I'm not going to put my life on the line for self full self-driving right. uh, ever unless it's uh, certified by the government. It's that right. important. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's well. And, you know, I mean, it's. The thing is, is that the people who you've heard about these horror stories of people put it in full self-driving and then take a nap, it that's why they shouldn't be allowed to call it full self-driving. I think that should be illegal. They should have to call it, you know, Tesla autopilot or something, you know, and 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 then with an asterisk. This is not full self-driving. You have to stay and pay attention because, you know, other yeah. cars have almost all the same features. Um, and, well, but you well, don't you don't hear those horror stories. And I think a lot of it's just because of the naming. Because well, if it if it wasn't called that, then people would realize that it's just a an advanced cruise control. Well, what we need is a is a very very large suit against Tesla for being so foolish to yeah. give give people the impression that they don't have to to pay attention. Yeah, no, I think the name is in fact it even says here in the article. Uh, the, it's misleading and irresponsible. Uh, the National Transportation and Safety Board Chair Jennifer Hamady said. And, you know, I think that's absolutely correct. It's misleading and irresponsible. Do something about it, government. Stop it. Say you're not allowed to call something. A, a, you can't give it a product name that, that describes something that it isn't. Um, and, and especially when people's lives are at stake, which is the case here. I think it's yeah. stupid. Um, you know, they but, just but, they, they but need to. But it's stupid for Tesla to do that because sooner or later they're going to really pay for it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm shocked. I guess what they're saying is that the cost is not, not that big a deal to them, that people have died and their families have sued them and, or gotten, you know, badly injured in, in accidents. And and Tesla's response is like, oh, well, we still think it's cool to call it full self-driving, even though it really isn't yeah. yet, you know. It's, um, it, Musk's response is the feature will probably be worth $100,000 when it's fully functional. Yeah. When it's fully functional, twelve thousand dollars to beta test. If it's not fully functional, twelve thousand dollars to beta test it, right? <laughs> um, you know, and quite honestly, I, you know, I most people when they if they get it, they're going to get it when they buy the car, and it'll just be financed along with the cost of the car. So you know, it's not like they're uh, going to go back and add it later. I think that's probably very very few uh, of the Tesla people who do that, um, and. You know, we hear about the one where the thing in full self-driving and the guy was taking a nap and it plowed into a tree or something, right? Or worst case, hits a pedestrian or something like that. Yeah. But you don't hear of the ones who are being responsible and sitting there behind the wheel while he's driving down the freeway and paying attention. Uh, you know, because you need to be able to take control of the car. And, yeah. you know, but that's the same thing with cruise control, you know. Um you know, there are advanced cruise controls with, you know, uh, that keep and also that, that keep the car in the lane. So if it starts to drift out of lane, it readjusts and stays in the lane and keeps you a certain distance, uh, a minimal distance from cars in front of you. And this is what that is. You know, they just name it differently. Yeah. You, you don't hear about, you know, Cadillacs, people taking a nap in their Cadillac and plowing into a tree. Uh, doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but it just it's it's it doesn't happen as much because nobody tried to tell the Cadillac drivers that this was a full self-driving system. You know, yeah. they, they tell you it's it's enhanced cruise control. That's what it is. And everybody knows cruise control means you're still driving the car. So. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I love my cruise control until it died on me. 
Yeah, yours has a fatal flaw, the design on yours, right? The sensor that keeps it a certain distance from the vehicles in front of it That's is right. like curb height. And so every time you park your car, if you roll too far forward, you break off the sensor. That's right. That's it's a terrible very vulnerable. Design. And even when you know it's there, you you know, sooner or later, it's, you're going to make a mistake and it's yeah. going to die. Yeah. Now, let, let me tell you what I did learn about this. Uh, during the while I still had the full warranty on the car, uh-huh. that. Uh, it only cost about two hundred dollars to fix it. Yeah, only that's still two hundred bucks. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's not cheap. But let me tell you, it's two thousand dollars now without the warranty. Yeah. Okay, and I, I'm going to call a company that will extend, you know, continue my warranty, uh-huh. and I want just to find out how much the 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 warranty costs because if it's reasonable, in addition to spending the two hundred dollars. I I may do it. Yeah. Just to get it back. Yeah. But yeah, you know that's the kind of thing too that you know you if if the and you have a, a Hyundai Santa Fe Santa Fe Sport, right? Yes. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that you would think that if the if the people at Hyundai won't fix that design, that there should be some third party manufacturer who says, okay, here's a kit to take that sensor and move it up into the air dam or something, so it's not hanging out underneath the bumper where it keeps getting busted. Because you can't yeah. be the only person having this problem. This is ridiculous. Oh no, no, no! And, you know. But but nobody's going to spend two thousand dollars right to fix a sensor that's going to die again because of the problem. Exactly. So, but if they if they reposition the sensor instead of having it underneath the bumper, move it up like if you can put it inside the grill so it's not sticking out where it's obvious and looks ugly, but inside the grill so it can still sense yeah. forward. That's the place for it. Why on earth is it underneath the bumper? That's just dumb. Yeah. You know, and it's on an SUV, which is supposed to have a certain amount of ground clearance and toughness, you know. Um, that's just dumb. Just dumb. Bad design. You know, that bothers me sometimes. I have a Mazda CX-9 and the, the, the keyless remote, keyless entry and everything. Instead of making it like a dongle, like every other car in the world for years has made it, they made it like a thick credit card that would yeah. break if you put it in your wallet. So you're not allowed to put it in your wallet. It's like a credit card. It doesn't hang on a keychain. It was the worst design ever and it broke. And yeah. when I went to go fix it, they said, "Oh yeah, it's $450 to replace that thing." And I went <laughs> and I went, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to somebody who makes a third-party door security system and just put a regular dongle on my keychain." And that's what I did let, and I've never gone back. Let me tell you the other thing that's that's really dumb about doing something dumb is they you know, and just about all these service companies, when you have to take your car in to be serviced, where do they have you sit? The lounge is out out there by all these sales guys. Right. And one time, one guy says, uh, "Would you like to see a two, 2021 Honda or whatever or Honda Hyundai Honda. Or, or you know, uh, I like go for a ride or something like that?" And it immediately brought to mind my sensor deal. I found just found out that it was going to cost two thousand dollars to fix. Yeah. And I says, you got to be kidding. I'll never buy a Hyundai again in my life. And I said it loud, just like that. And everybody yeah. in that whole room, you know. Yeah, in and the, the guy, sales and room. And the guy cringed, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is a stupid I said, design. Guys, I said, you guys have the poorest damn design for my favorite part of the system that I bought the car for. And it doesn't work. Yeah, and it doesn't work repeatedly because of the bad design. You fix it, and then it breaks again. Yeah. Yeah, so, why on earth would I spend money buying one of these? Yeah, and and then they want two thousand dollars to fix it. Yeah, I will say to the to to Mazda's credit, uh, two years after my model year, they quit making that stupid credit card 
remote entry and made one that's a dongle thing that hangs on your keychain like everybody else in the world and yeah. like every other card that they make. I Just the dumbest idea ever. But, and this is the kicker, I said, great, cool, I'll just buy one of the new ones, and that way I can use it on my old car, right? Wrong. When they did that, they also changed the frequencies of the remote. <laughs> so if I want to buy a new one, I have to buy the same one that I already had that I hate that doesn't work and breaks. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe that, you know? Uh, it just it was baffling, just baffling. You know what I'm surprised they haven't done is, you know, there's universal remotes you can buy for your television that will learn other remotes and stuff. I'm surprised they don't have that for cars, too. You don't like your car dongle. You don't like yeah. the shape or the size of it. Uh, you know, just go get another one, and you should be able to get it programmed. I mean, it's just a radio transmitter. Right. It's, yeah. you know, it's. I, I'm surprised that there isn't more out there that does that, you know. And I've looked. I actually just looked at it the other day. Um, to see if there was a way to get around that and go back to use it. Because I liked it, because then I had keyless entry and keyless start. But yeah. as it is, I'm using a replacement remote that I went and got installed on my system to lock and unlock the doors, and I use the key to start uh, start the car. Because because the keyless re- remote costs too much to replace. Hmm. And I just, I just looked at that and went, that was nuts. I could get a whole new system installed for, for less than half the price of replacing one of the two keys that were both both broken, but with the, huh. key, the keyless system, and I just went, "You guys are insane!" If you think I'm going to spend that kind of money, I mean, because it was going to be you know almost nine hundred dollars to replace the two factory keys, the the wireless keys. Yeah, and I just you know I, I literally looked at them in the face and laughed at the service center. Yeah. <laughs> You're joking, right? Well. Let's call it a day, Todd. Yep, I think we are done. So uh, thank you so much for watching Generation Tech. We do have other shows on the Shack Outback Network. Two for Brew uh, usually drops on Thursdays. It's two guys traveling the Inland Empire tasting beers and, and talking about different types of beers and stuff, too. So even if you're not in the Inland Empire, you might find it interesting. And we also have a show called Two Minute Tech, and that is literally two-minute segments talking about how to use your technology better Things like how to find the map section on your uh, Apple's uh, weather app and, uh, and lots of other stuff. So uh, check them out if you have an interest. We thank you for joining us. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Sorry well, about that. The speaker's off again. I shouldn't have done that. Ah. Dang it. Why does it always come up like that? Anyway, it's got a... There we go. All right. Now can you hear me? Okay. It was uh, It was just on the phone, I guess. I yeah. I, didn't, I didn't hear it, so I, I use it on speakerphone, so finally I, I got it there. Mm-hmm. I was on the, in the process of hooking up my hearing aids, but I, they're not as reliable, so I'll just use the speakerphone because I'm in a room by myself. Okay. How are you this morning? Not bad, not bad. I uh running a little behind today as you can tell. I saw you called me but it didn't ring on my computer, it only rang on my phone, so I didn't want to answer it because I couldn't get it oh. where I needed it. Yeah. Um,
Whoops. Alright. What's the deal here? It says it says my speaker volume is low. Well, okay. Well, that seems alright. Oh, I may not be able to hear because my speaker volume is low. That's because I don't have like I'm using headset. That's weird. Okay. So I see you uh added some things. I sent some things last night. Did you see the ones that I sent? Yeah, I saw those. Uh some of them I didn't uh, put on there as a uh, uh, discussion thing, but just as a reminder of something I was, just wanted to talk about. Yeah. You know, so anyway, you want to just introduce your stuff to start off with? And yeah, I'm going through and I'm, I'm going through right now and opening the um, uh, open the web pages. So I have them all open. So give me a second. Work. Oh, you open them all up first? Well, I try to because that way then I've got, you know, I, I don't have to go hunting for them. Or, or, or sometimes, you know, when you click on it, it takes a while to load. So I'd rather just have it already loaded. Well, where, where are you starting? What's the top one? I just started with the top one on the list from, that I sent last night. Uh, but it doesn't matter what order we go in. I just started there. Apple News and Rumors? Uh, it was uh, Mac Rumors. Uh, oh, the first one was actually a, an error. It was the second one, the 15 features that uh, the iPhone didn't have, because yesterday was the uh, 15th anniversary of the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an interesting one to go through. I've looked looked at it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I I didn't look at the next one, the charger. I thought maybe that was something you spent meant for me specifically. I don't know. Yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting because I've not seen one that was 165 watts and it's four USB C ports, which is the first one I've seen that has that many USB C ports on it. Um, and it's the um, uh, the uh, gallium nitride oh. technology, so it's going to be you know relatively small. I mean, it's 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 tiny compared to some of the other chargers. So. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, and, uh, and then the uh, message read receipts. Yeah, it's just an error that's that there's a bug there, and you may think it's turned off, and it's not. Which you know, it's that may annoy some people. Most people don't don't have that on. Um, yeah. So, just thought it'd be good to talk oh, about. Oh, okay. The, the first one I sent regarding the Trump Truth social media does identify some of the features of that site, mm -hmm. but. But uh, I thought it could be also used for us just to sort of talk about some of the issues if we were to sit back and say that we just think need to be solved altogether. Right. On social media, you mean? Yeah. Because one of the things that, that well, we'll, well, talk about we'll talk about it. Yep. That's fine. Yeah. Then let's see. Five genius tech hacks uh, before it's February. I always hate things that say genius because sometimes they're just stupid stuff, but. Inventory your valuables. Okay, well, that's a genius tech hack. I didn't think that's a genius tech hack at all. Refresh your home network. Okay, that maybe is a hack. I don't Most, know. Mostly yeah. house cleaning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. And I, then raising their price for full self-driving. and I, I had I had never seen the price like that before. I first assumed that this was just maybe a uh, uh, inflation thing. Yeah, it was ten thousand, or it was a, uh, it was a, yeah. 10, it started at, started at eight, went to ten in October, and now to twelve. Oh, it's been ten for quite a while. Well, I didn't know what year twelve, uh, but yeah, it went anyway. October is what I remembered. Right. Was. Okay. So anyway, uh, 
Okay, and then I think the last one I, I've known about that. That's I think again the title the the must try hidden feature. It's not hidden. It's right there in front of you on the on the weather app, and it's clear what it is. It's see a map, and a lot of weather apps have that. So I thought that was kind of well. Weird. Okay. Well, the reason, the re- the only real reason I put it there is, is that I didn't know that there was a separate Apple weather app. I've been using uh, the Weather Channel and uh-huh. the, uh, uh, I, I forgot what it's called. the uh, Dark Sky, the one that I told you about? Yeah, Dark Sky. Okay. That's, that's Dark... the one that Apple bought. Right. Bought, so it's modeled on it anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it Basically, the weather app, while it has maintained its own interface, uh, is now providing all the extra information that they got from now owning dark sky um and so yeah it's it's okay we don't need to talk about that yeah so um well we'll hang it in there just in case so let's get started then uh, we'll launch and we'll talk about the uh 15 features of the original iphone there are 15 features it didn't have all right uh give me a second 